We've been uh, teaching a series, and this is week three, called Authorized. And the question we've been asking, and whether you're a Christian or not, this is a question that people need to know. Because a lot of times things happen in life that are bad. I mean, we live in a bad world. Some people aren't sure. Maybe. Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's like a time that we really haven't seen, and uh, it seems to keep getting worse. You know, you watch the news and you're like, wow, this is interesting. And uh, this can bring a lot of despair on people. I, I was talking to a, a neighbor the other day and he said, I can hardly watch TV. He said, I get so full of fear. He said, and, you know, and this isn't some fearful type of person. And he said, I, I just, I don't even know what to do. So I, I want to keep up on what's going on, but I don't want to watch TV. And because I, I'll just get full of anxiety. And uh, he was saying, you know, he, he just didn't know what to do. Well, there's a question I want to pose today. Is there some kind of authority that has been given to people, primarily to Christians, that they may not know about that could help remedy things on a national level, or at least in our own lives? And uh, when we talk about authority, authority is like what a policeman has. You know, they only have authority based on the power that backs them. And so does a Christian or can somebody who comes to know the Lord have an authority and either use it or not use it, know about it or not know about it? That is an important question. And uh, if we just only get our information from what we see on uh, TV, well, we would probably... Uh, not come to the conclusion that Christians really have authority or are, you know, pretty much if you watch TV, Christians are wimps. I didn't say you were. I just said Christians are wimps. You know, I remember years ago when uh, The Simpsons came on, and I wasn't a Simpson watcher, but I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and then you'd hear about youth watching The Simpsons. Simpsons so I thought, well, I'm going to see what it's about. So I watched it for about eight years no, I'm kidding. You know, I watched a little bit of it and realized this is not good, but one thing that they put in there that was really bad was they threw a minister in there. You know, a preacher. And the dude is a wimp of wimps. I mean, if you've ever seen it, it's not good. Well, that's what's portrayed mostly as, you know, the viewpoint of a Christian or a minister is that they're, we're just wimps. Then the other side of this is, is that when you watch TV, watch movies, uh, you know, can, and we're talking about authority, society ingrains in people to be afraid of evil. Be afraid. You know, the exorcist came, we got to get a priest. A priest can't even deal with this. You know, her eyes are spinning around or whatever. And then, you know, all these scary movies, you, people pay money to be fearful, and to train them to be afraid. And, and of these wicked, evil things that come, and people don't realize that that goes cross-grain to the Bible. And really what it does is, if Christians don't know it, the whole world just gets ingrained in this type of thing where people are, think, well, I'm supposed to be afraid of the devil. He's worse than the big bad wolf. And man, if we can just get out of here before the, and then the, when the Lord comes back, we'll be in heaven. Everything will be okay. And we'll just hide out until then. 
And that's really a lot of the viewpoint about evil and wicked. And we think, well, what can we do about it? Well, one thing is, is realize this. We've been programmed just by living in this world and maybe just living in the United States, but anywhere where there's TV, movies, and all kinds of other stuff to have a high regard for evil and to fear things, to fear you know, uh, evil and there, you know, and to fear evil spirits and to fear demons, people, whether saved and that know the Lord or not, know there is wicked entities in the world. And if you're not sure, just get around with some of your friends and start talking to them and you'll find things like this, that some people, this is the truth. And I didn't always know this, but you know, people go to bed at night and feel like they're getting choked by something. You with me? People having pressures on them that they don't know about. I mean, I've dealt with all this stuff over the years and didn't even realize how prevalent it was, you know. And then you start talking and you hear this stuff and that people say, wow, it's just like an evil entity came into my room and this started happening. And I mean, we've had people I've talked to here before they were serving the Lord and had stuff with doors closing and opening and just weird stuff. And so what's interesting is people recognize this stuff is out there, but in one sense, we're taught from a standpoint of the world to fear all this. And what people don't realize is that is just completely the opposite. And I will say this, that all those things out there that the world teaches us to fear, feed on fear. You know, have you ever seen a bully? And when somebody, uh, uh, they start intimidating somebody, and they feed on it, and they start acting tougher. You know what I'm talking about? But then you ever seen somebody bigger stand up to them? Nobody has ever seen that. Okay, one person has. Well, then you can talk to him after the service. And uh, that then what happens when somebody stands up to the bully who's tougher or badder, you find out that that bully ain't so tough. You with me? And what's happened is, and sometimes people just finally have enough of a bully and go and stand up, and they find out that the bully really wasn't tough at all anyway and would back down. Anybody ever seen that? In other words, somebody just had enough and said, all right, I'm going to stand up. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Deep down, they had a fear. You with me? And we're going to look at something that may blow your mind when it comes to the devil, demons, and darkness. That maybe we, as people, have been sold a bill of goods. You know what that means? A bunch of junk. And it believes something totally wrong. I'm going to read from Romans, the fifth chapter. If you have a Bible or have it on your phone or on, you know, one of the, you know, or you brought a Bible, you can look on. If not, I'm going to read a couple of translations, go through some things real quick. Romans 5, 17 in the contemporary English version says, death ruled like a king. Now, when the Bible talks about death, it's not like talking about you falling on the ground. There is something in the Bible called spiritual death. And it's not physical death. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was a realtor and they were selling a home in my neighborhood. And uh, he just said, you know, I, 
he, he was telling me about the home, and then we kind of changed subjects. He said, I just feel like uh, there's something missing inside of me. And, and uh, he just went on talking about these different things and you know how he needed people to basically prop him up and feed his life with praise, or he felt worthless. And I thought, and I told him, I said, there's something void in every person. The only thing that can get rid of that is to receive eternal life. And I said, and you trying to find praise from people and recognition from people or being successful, people think, well, if I'm successful, then that's going to fill the void. I said, it won't do it. I said, as soon as you get the money, you're going to know that didn't do it. The problem is, is when people never get the money and keep striving for the money, thinking that's going to fulfill me, they'll never be fulfilled. They'll live and die and say, that's what I needed. I couldn't get, and it wasn't what they needed. What happened is when Adam died, spiritual death traveled on all people. It makes people inside think there's got to be more to life. What is the purpose of life? There's a missing piece. And so when it says death reigned, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about how that people are devoid of eternal life on the inside of them. And so it says, death ruled like a king. In other words, that emptiness rules people like a king. You can't get free from it on your own. And he said, Death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned, or that original transgression spread through all of humanity. It says, but that cannot compare with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with undeserved grace or a gift, and he has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we will live and rule like kings. Notice that phrase. He just throws that in there. That Christians or people who have received Jesus, whether they know it or not, are supposed to rule like a king. Let me say that again. They're supposed to rule like a king. That doesn't mean, you know, you drive up, you know, in a Rolls Royce and you live in a mansion, you know, and you got like a big old disco ball in your lobby of your house. Like, I'm living it up. No, when he's talking about living and ruling like a king, he's talking about Christians exercising some kind of authority. The Good News Bible or translation says this, It is true that through the sin of one man, death or spiritual death began to rule over all people because of that one man, which we know was Adam. But how much greater is the result of what was done by the one man, Jesus Christ. All who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with him will rule in life through Jesus Christ. Notice that interesting phrase. For those who receive Jesus, God puts you right. So what do you mean? Well, so many people want to be right with God, so you'll, you'll hear it all over the place. I'll tell you what. I'm good enough. If I die, I, I, I serve people. I gave. I, I did this in the community. I'm a good guy. I'm not like those people who are, who are bad guys, you know, or, or that girl who's bad. I'm better. God will accept me. Notice it doesn't say you get yourself put right. When you receive Jesus, God puts you right. In other words, he puts you in a place 
where you're right with Him. Not by your works, but by a free gift. You know, that's a big problem with our world is we think you got to work if you want to get to heaven. you got to work. Now, I believe Christians should do good works. But you don't work to get saved. You don't work to get eternal life. You receive the free gift. Really, that's what this whole Christian holiday, whether you like it or not, Christmas, you can call it whatever you want to call it, Christmas tree season. Who knows what they'll call it at some point. It doesn't matter. We, we know what it is. We know what it's all about. And, um, and what it's about is the gift that Jesus gave. Now, we share gifts one with another and uh, give gifts to families, you know, and things like that. But this whole season is about Jesus and about giving. But what we need to realize is, is that Christians, whether they know it or not, have been set right with God. I'm talking about people, not because of their good works, but because they believed in Jesus. They were put right with God. Then they were given some kind of right to rule, whether they know it or not. But if you're told, well, you better be afraid of the devil. You better be afraid. I'm telling you what. I mean, I know Christians, if you start talking about the devil, and if you did a series like on the devil, and I've, I've been doing this for years, and when I was a youth pastor, and then now as a pastor, man, you, you'd meet people, and they would be like, oh, we're going to be talking about the devil. I'm not coming for the next three weeks. Literally. Christians. And what it is, is they were so afraid, they didn't want to hear it. I remember a guy when I worked in construction, he was probably one of the tougher people I've ever met in my life. And just a mean guy and not afraid of anybody. And uh, he had a felony for hitting a cop and just was, had a little bit of an attitude. And I remember he was not intimidated by anybody. Well, I had given my life to the Lord, so I started talking to him about the Lord. He was cool with that. Then I started talking to him about the devil. He said, I don't want to hear about the devil. Come to find out, this dude is afraid of the devil, but nobody else. I mean, literally afraid. Well, I understand. We've been taught to be afraid. But if we've got authority as Christians, should we be afraid? Now, I'm going to read a couple of verses. James, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read a couple different verses, and then we're going to look at some meaning of words, and you might be shocked when it comes to the devil. His viewpoint of humans and people. And then you might realize, then when you start reading the Bible, and you see Jesus communicating with people, and when they needed something, and when they were facing a problem, he'd say, why did you fear? He'd tell people, fear not. And he often said that. And when angels, like in the kids program, would come, one of the first things they would say when people were afraid, they'd say, don't be afraid. Fear not. Well, why is that? Why is it that we're not to be afraid, but in society, they teach us to fear? Let's go to the movies and get afraid. You know how that works out real well. You know, anybody go to a scary movie before and then you go home and then like you're walking down the hallway and you're like, run by the door and you're like, whoa, turn on the lights. You're like, oh, we're going to bed and turn off. No, we can't turn off the lights. What's going on? Serious, you know what's happening? 
people are starting to give way to fear that was not there, and they're being trained to be afraid. That there's a reason to be afraid of these unseen things. And, you know, some people, this may be the first time they're hearing something like this. Think about what this is promoting compared to people who've watched a hundred scary movies. Hearing one sermon about the truth and a hundred other messages on be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And I don't know why I have a problem with fear. I, I just, I'm not sure. That'll sink in. James, the fourth chapter, and the seventh verse says this. Therefore, submit to God. Give your life to God. Yield to God. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice that phrase. He won't flee from God. He'll flee from you. Notice, and if you'll read in the New Testament and in the Bible, he doesn't flee from God. He flees from the person who will resist him. But we haven't been taught to resist him. We've been taught to be afraid. Shake at the first sign of darkness. He said, don't you do that. You resist him. You stand up against him. You don't have to cower you can do that as a Christian. You can resist him. He'll try to bully you. He's called a, a, a one who goes about like a roaring lion. In other words, he's got a big voice, but he doesn't got what it takes to back it. Here's the interesting part. That word flee, when you look up the meaning, it literally means to escape by running away, especially because of danger or fear. Or fear. Or fear. James 2.19 says this. You have faith in God. It says you do well. Meaning talking to those Christians. But it said even demons believe and tremble. One translation says they shudder in fear. Well wait a minute. We've now read two verses that describe the devil will flee in fear. And that the devil trembles in fear. That's not what they teach in the world. And in some senses in the church, it hasn't been told either. And so when we approach darkness and things that might come, or circumstances, people will think, what can we do? Instead of facing it, realizing that things that are in the unseen realm that are not of God are actually afraid of people and afraid of believers. I'm going to read a verse in Romans 13.3. I don't know if I've ever used this verse uh, in this topic before, but I'm going to today. Romans 13.3. Now, I'm going to read this verse in a couple of translations, and what's so interesting is it's talking about natural rulers, but we're talking about spiritual rulers or people who are allowed to rule. In other words, didn't he say we would rule in Christ like kings? It's the same term, rule like a king. But we're noticing something that the things that we're to rule over, the problems you face, whether you know it or not, if they're evil, they're afraid of you. Not because of you, but because you 
know Jesus and Jesus lives in you. They're actually afraid of you. Now the world will tell you, oh, you better be afraid of that. You better be afraid. You better jump. Watch out. Ooh, the devil. If the devil's that big, why when the Lord Jesus comes back, does he not have to do anything but speak something and he's bound for a thousand years? All of them. Not a big struggle. All of them. Well, where do we get our authority? Where do Christians get their authority? From the Lord. We're using His authority. He's the one who said, resist Him and He'll flee from you. Notice, if we're called rulers, and we're called to rule and reign in Christ Jesus, notice this verse in Romans 13.3. It says, rulers are a threat to evil and to evil people. Now, we would think of that from a policeman's standpoint. Police are a threat to evil people, aren't they? Well, they're supposed to be. You know, in, in, in when things are right, and there are good policemen out there. But not to good people. Therefore, it says, there is no need to be afraid of the authority. Just do right. And they'll praise you for what it, you do. Notice another translation said, for rulers are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil. Well, we've already looked at this, and think about it. And I mean, I've dealt with things like this, you know, devils are real, but we should not think in fearful terms. Because that's where people get into problems. And here it says that those things recognize authority, and fear the authority. Now I'm going to read one more verse after this, but they fear authority. Things that do evil fear authority. If you have authority, if you're saved, you have authority, you can technically use that. If, I mean, if, just, if you just look at the police police have authority, they use it. Or can use it. They, there's a power that backs them, but there's a power that backs you if you're a Christian. Here's what I want to say. If we don't know it, we might be saying, God, do something. What if a policeman saw a crime happening and they got on the radio and they're like, uh, this is officer, whatever, so-and-so, I'm on the corner. You guys need to come do something about this. They're like, dude, you're the policeman. Yeah, but you're the headquarters. Do something about this. What would they say? You've been trained. You've got the authority. You've got the power. You've got the goods. Do something. But if you're not trained and somebody doesn't know, we would do exactly what an untrained policeman would do. This officer so-and-so to base, I'm afraid there's a robbery going on, there's some evil happening, please do something. Wouldn't that seem totally stupid? If you were somebody who was needing help, and you saw an officer and said, this is going on and I need some help, and they're like, Okay, I'll call somebody. 
what would you think? I mean, it's probably a lot, you'd think. But how many times have people come to Christians and said, I got this problem, I've got this situation, and they're all, I'll call for help. God, you better do something for these people. And if you realize Scripture, God authorized people. He said, go into all the world and use my name to exercise authority over things. But if we're not trained right, we won't look right. And we won't help people who could really be helped by us. Because we'll be thinking, what can I do? Not realizing that the problem that they're facing right there is actually afraid of the authority you already have. But if we don't know that, we'll face it as afraid as everybody else. Interesting that he said, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Here's a thought. Why don't we just get bold and start trying that? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give this shot. Next time depression tries to overpower me and make me have a blue Monday and a blue Tuesday, no, in Jesus' name, discouragement. Discouragement's not from God. I remember the day I started the church. God had directed me to come. I remember I got done. You know, we had some people show up. I was just glad somebody came. I was like, success! <laughs> a bunch of them came from California to help. I knew they were leaving, but at least the door was open. I remember driving home. I'm not a depressed type of person or a, a you know, just a down, discouraged type of person. I'm driving home, and uh, I remember going up over this little hill, and as soon as I turned the corner, it was like a cloud. Didn't see it, felt it. I mean, discouragement. Like I didn't even know what was going on. Serious. So much discouragement, and it was like pressure, and nobody said anything, but that discouragement just said, you should quit. Wasn't a voice, it was pressure. You should quit. You should quit. You should close the doors now. And I mean, I felt like, oh, like under a cloud. And I mean, it came like out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And I literally went, whoa. And I thought, I'm not even a discouraged person. It was like a cloud was hanging on me. And I remember as I was driving, and not far, all of a sudden I went, wait a minute. I just said, I resist you in Jesus' name. You leave me, and no joke, that discouragement left. And it just disappeared. I mean, it just blew away like it just dissipated like a cloud blowing away in the wind. And the rest of the day, I was good and thought, yeah, praise God, next week we're going to keep going. And the next week, you know, two weeks later, that same thing happened as I was driving. All of a sudden, a cloud came over. Just tried to sit on me and said, you should quit. Well, see, most people would think, well, that's just natural. But it's technically not natural. And so I said, I resist you in Jesus' name. And you know what happened? It left. I said it left. And that day, from that day forward, this is something I came to the conclusion of. 
Discouragement is not from God. Discouragement is darkness. God's not out there trying to discourage people. You ever feel full of peace and full of joy when you're discouraged? But God's full of peace and full of joy. God has comfort and everything good. I recognize, wait a minute, I need to stand up to this. Because it's going to stand up to me. And God didn't tell me to go pray to Him about it. Or it would have just sat there. Like a police officer will do something about the bank robber who's trying to rob you right now or rob the store and take their goods. And in this case, take my peace and destiny. I said, no, that's enough. You're going to have to stop. And you know what it did? And you know, this is a right to every person, really. And particularly to people who have given their lives to the Lord. I'm going to close here, but I'm going to say a couple of things before we do. Authority is real. You know, we live in a time where depression and all kinds of stuff is on the rise. And do you know that you could do something about it? Are you with me? You could do something about discouragement. If, it was, if discouragement was totally natural, it, it would just be part of everybody, but it's a very negative thing. It's a very robbing thing. And I will say this, it comes through thoughts, ideas, suggestion from something unseen. Should we be afraid of it? No. Not at all. But if you want to do something about it, first you have to receive Jesus. Then after, be bold and say, um, discouragement, I'm not living my life like this anymore. And you may have been trained to be discouraged. You know, you can actually have joy. You know, you can actually walk in freedom. But sometimes people think, well, no, this is just how I am. And this is just the way it has to be. No, it's not the way it has to be. Go look at all the people that encountered Jesus when he lived in the earth. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. You'll see people that encountered and went with him. Uh, maybe didn't have a perfect life. Maybe everything wasn't easy. But they started living a life that became more and more encouraged and more and more purposeful. 